It took one person, me, to be vulnerable for this cycle to start. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the ever-curious listeners, do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Hi, Hi friends. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Love exposing these topics yeah yeah i do i mean in the legal way in the legal way i don't mean like you're showing people things they don't want to see i think it's really cool today's topic because there's a lot of information and thinking out there about asking for feedback Mm. but the summary on this one is by sharing times that you've gotten some some tough feedback you're really able to give people the feeling that you're approachable and that the environment is ready for their ideas. Yeah. And all of this is building on psychological safety. And I say building on, we're going to get to why I say building on in a bit. And before that, so the title of this paper is Taking Your Team Behind the Curtain, legally, of course, uh, <laughs> The Effects <laughs> of Leader Feedback Sharing and Feedback Seeking on Team Psychological Safety. And the shout outs for this paper go to Konstantinos Kutiferis and Adam Grant. Uh, so yes, so yeah, as mentioned, so this is this one is about... I guess the the idea of psychological safety and my kind of like broad understanding of it is that Amy Edmondson seems to be a key figure in this because she did a lot of work about kind of like researching it and also the value that it has. And I think mostly for like organizations and the value seemed to be that people kind of mess up less and they also kind of produce more, like they're a bit more creative, a bit more innovative, a bit more themselves. And they're kind of okay making mistakes I guess not okay making mistakes but okay like mm. confessing mm. to oh I've done a boo-boo mm. and how that helps culture and organizations right. um and so this is I feel like this is very much building on that foundation to be a bit like okay we've we've kind of like realized something here and what happens if we take it that bit further yep two two reactions the first one is the psychological safety, as you said, it's that feeling that it's okay to take a risk. Ah, yep. And sometimes that doesn't go perfectly, but then you learn stuff. And that's how organizations adapt and learn and grow. And so the new uh, uh, idea of a learning organization starts with psychological safety. It's not the case that people make less mistakes. It's that they admit to them so that you can fix the problems. Mm. And when there's low psychological safety, they make the mistakes, but then they hide them. And you can't fix problems that nobody will talk about. <laughs> Everything so, is fine. Yes. Like, are you sure? Can I, mean, I smell smoke? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's terrible. But Amy Edmondson made some of her early um, research studies in hospitals where, like, nurses and people would hide, like, giving people the wrong shots. Yeah. And then if you have bad protocol, it's not going to get fixed if you're hiding all the mistakes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, it's really pretty crazy that in almost all organizations that you study, there's this question that normal employees ask, which is, I see we're doing something stupid. Should I speak up? Mm. And if psychological safety is no, the answer is no. <laughs> no, I will shut up. And... I will just do what I'm told and cover my ass. I also do not smell the smoke. So, <laughs> What's that? What is smoke? Any... No? The second thing I wanted to say, though, in response to your, uh, your intro is... 
there's a really cool thing. Once we have learned that you want psychological safety, that's a good thing in a team, then the question becomes, well, how do we get us some? Mm. And this paper is saying that the organization's leaders have a lot to do about that. And there's been a fair amount out there saying if the leader asks for feedback about how they can be better, yep. maybe that'll jumpstart their process and people will be like, this is a place where it's safe to speak up. Yep. But what this cool study is showing is, yeah, that's pretty good. But what's even better is the times when leaders say, I'm having trouble with this. I got this feedback. I need to fix this. Yep. I'm having trouble with it, but I'm working really hard to fix it and get better. Yeah. So it's the leader presenting themselves as being human. Yep. <laughs> Go figure. Like, right? <laughs> vulnerable and cracked like all of us. Hello, fellow subordinates. I am just like you, and I too, I too mess things up on occasion. Want to go for lunch? It's like... <laughs> That's simple. You don't even have to use that accent. <laughs> no. I mean, that's obviously more effective. <laughs> so they they didn't use any accents, as far as I'm aware. But what they did do was they put together free studies, which is quite fun. Because I, uh, like we've shared, uh, I guess, on previous occasions, I do love it when they just build on the idea. Where it's a bit like, kind of... Because again, they talk about taking your team behind the curtain. What is and this curtain, do you this, think? This, <laughs> is this the iron curtain? What, what are we doing? I think it's the Wizard of Oz curtain. Yeah. Oh, totally. I've so, guessed. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. And then you realize the whole time that the organization is being ran by someone. A small like, troll. Yeah. <laughs> With a big ego. Yeah, who's like, I really want to get more Band-Aids out into the world. But not at these prices. We must get these prices down. Okay, so they had they had free studies. And so they were looking at like, so what goes on like when leaders are feedback seeking? So that's just like what goes on uh, in relation to psychological safety when leaders are a bit like, yo, can you... Uh, can you give me some some feedback? And then also, what goes on when they share some? And they're a bit like, hey, I had my performance review and these are the areas in which I need to work on. And then another study looking at, so then which one, I guess, <laughs> like leads to better results? Like which one is, I guess, a bit more mm -hmm. enduring, but especially looking at feedback sharing and what's going on there that makes it a more enduring strategy when trying to build psychological safety. Mm -hmm. So the first thing they did with the uh, the first study was they got a bunch of CEOs. Yes, unbelievably right? good sample. What? Oh, wow. It's an unbelievably good sample. It's the sort of sample that dreams are made of. I mean, mm. How do you get CEOs to even look at your survey, much less take it? <laughs> as far as I'm aware, they're all working I mean, 200 hours a week. They're always on planes. Yes. I mean, it is an incredible data set in that sense. Yeah, so they got like, what, 66 yeah. CEOs? And yeah. I believe this was from like different Lots industries. Lots of different industries. Yep. And they're all owned by like a private equity fund. These are like all the portfolio companies of a single private equity fund, mm. all located in the U.S. And um, the idea that like the partner in charge of business development reached out to like 136 CEOs and they got 66 to do it, which honestly, that response to almost 50%, it's an incredibly hard thing to achieve, right? So this data is really rich. If for nothing else, it's just like a very unique peek in. Yeah, because usually with these uh, kind of like research things, they kind of get random people and they'll give you like, I'll give you a dollar 25. But like, I think most CEOs are going to be like, no, they I'm I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I love, and also, I love that it is a bit like from these private equity firms, and it's not like the modern CEO. 
It's not like the millennial CEO mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who has started yeah. like a business from their mum's like yeah. Yeah. It's loft, and it's just a bit like yeah. I can print business cards, yeah. so I'm a CEO. Yeah. But this is like high level yes. kind of, and even when we get into it as well, these were people with quite a number of years yeah. under their belt. Yeah. So I think it's, average age was fifty something, wasn't it? Um, They've been at it for 30, 35 years or something on average. Yeah. yeah. So they wanted to get an idea of almost how- Almost no women. Almost none. I think it was like about, like out of the 60 something, it was about like maybe seven. Yeah, four. It's four? An, it was an embarrassing, you know, it's an interesting one. Later on, they they did a good job of balancing that. Yep. But with this first study, I was thinking there might be some gender issues in terms of showing that vulnerability. Yep. You know, and kind of being like, here's where I am flawed. And with the men, they're like, oh, he's so brave. Mm-hmm. He's so courageous. And with the woman, it's like, yeah, I didn't think she'd be good. Right. You know, it's like that Tough double-edged sword. Kind of yeah. 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 I know, right? But um, and so we can't study that one, this one. But with the later studies, they fix that. Yes. They get much better representation. Yeah. So like the, so what they wanted to find out from the CEOs um, was like what their style is like in terms of like how they go about seeking feedback. So they asked them questions such as, do you seek information about how you can improve in your job? Do you go to your top management team for advice? And do you seek feedback on how you can become a more effective leader? But as we all know, most CEOs statistically are psychopaths. So <laughs> you can't take their word for anything, can you? That's funny. It's like, I'm not going to trust what a psychopath has to say about you know, themselves. It is. This is a great point. It's funny and true that like, not just because they're CEOs, but like everybody, when they have to self-report on their own performance, mm. they're going to butter that up. Maybe they're not even going to try to. They're going to see the world that way. Yeah. So I'm a narcissistic you know, <laughs> CEO. I'm not going to... Yeah, so there is... That is really worth pointing out. Study one is this awesome slice into society. Really cool data, hard to get. Can't totally trust it. Yeah. Which is exactly why study two is so important. Well, even in study one. So I think, I believe, like, unless I'm jumping ahead of the gun, what they did in study one was Wait, they then you asked, go there, ooh, tell go them ahead. about the sharing. Tell them this. I'll, ah, yes. Yeah, so they asked them about that element of their style in terms of how they go about seeking feedback. Yeah. But they also asked about how they share it also. Yeah. And that, those were questions such as, do you tell your top management team about past constructive yeah. criticisms you've received? Do you talk with top management team about about how you've benefited from development feedback. And then also, like, do you tell them stories about times when other people have pointed out your weaknesses? Um, But then the other thing that they did, and I'm pretty sure this was in study one, was was this where they then got the the board? Yes. Yes. So they basically got a board member from each portfolio company to rate the perceptions of psychological safety in terms of how the CEO dealt with the top management team, which is basically like that C-suite that kind of carries out all the operations. And that's really pretty interesting for real to think about like this insider saying, I don't know what the hypotheses of this are, and I don't really know how they answered, but this is the way it seems to me in terms of the relationships that get created in this company. Yeah. It's pretty cool data again, right? It's, it's really um, clever, mm. very clever way to get data. I'm jealous. I'm not mad. <laughs> Constantinos, I'm just jealous. But <laughs> And so what they were able to do was to then ask them questions related to ask the board members 
questions about the psychological safety in the organizations the CEOs were running, but then they were also then able to then ask them, and I believe this was like a week or a month, no, about one month after that, they asked them just about their general performance. And this was quite like, I enjoyed this a bit also, because like, you know, this was linked to the idea that part of why someone would not want to share criticisms about themselves is because then they might come across as being incompetent. So the idea of me being the CEO and being a bit like, yo, here's all the garbage things that these garbage people are saying about me. It's a bit like, oh, well, maybe you're the garbage that needs to get taken out. (laughs) It is. um, I think it's one of the biggest problems with being vulnerable. I mean, I know that there's this idea that you become more approachable and you create a safe that's space to criticize and blah, blah, blah. It's a great way to share information. But it is the case that at some point, if you have too many vulnerabilities, people might not feel confident following you. Yeah. And that's for real. Like, it's almost like it has to be an inverted U or something where it's like, it's good to share to a point. Yeah. But if... All you're doing is talking about times you've messed up and all the work that you need. People are like, well, could I also have a little bit of confidence on it? <laughs> like, how do I know that you're going to take us anywhere good? Right. I think it is very tricky. Um, so, yeah, they did study one. And what, <laughs> what they found was pretty much insignificant. They, they were just a bit like... Well, they both well, kind not, of No, not insignificant. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually. Yeah. Let, yeah, let me throw it to you, actually. Yeah. Because, uh, well, they both kind of worked. Like... If you ask people for feedback, then that creates better psychological safety. If you tell people about times you've gotten feedback, that also creates psychological safety. So as of the end of study one, what you've learned is, here's what I learned. Go for it. What I learned is, I already knew a whole lot about feedback seeking. And I sort of knew that whole literature. I myself didn't know much about the feedback sharing. That's, to be honest, that's a fairly new way in. Yeah. And as they talked about, it actually is a very salient way in. Here's a quote. It says, this feedback sharing is likely to be more disruptive than feedback seeking because of the self-disclosure theory. Whereas if you show vulnerability by sharing this sensitive information, you can create modeling. Yes. You can basically model that it's okay to admit that you don't got all this. And I think that that for me was an aha. Yeah. So even if the study ended there and it showed, look, there's two roots. They both work. That's yep. already kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. And I guess the, um, the part here, which is, I guess this is where it builds because at that point they're like, well, we, we don't yet have, like we're, we're getting started. So yep. not necessarily That's that right. was insignificant, That's but right. it's a bit like there's lots of holes here that we now want to kind That's of start right. to fill. And then build on. Yes. And so they then go over to a field ex- field experiment. So this is a longitudinal uh, field experiment. And they chose two organizations. One was a finance company and the other was in healthcare. And do you recall, Dan, what they were looking I mean, at? This, this is fairly incredible. Trying to build on? Again, I mean, I, I, I just almost can't believe they pulled this off. To have a field experiment where you randomly assign actual leaders to these conditions where you say, you lot... Go out there and ask people for feedback about yourself. Yep. And you lot, you're going to tell stories about times you've gotten feedback that really made you have to work harder and learn. Yep. Then they put in another group where you do both. Yep. And then one pure control. You just like answer these surveys. Yeah. Again, that is a fairly powerful methodology because now you can, um, you got some co- the ability to make some causal inferences. Yeah. Because if you stuck them in that group and then they did a thing, that means like within a week or a year, Maybe the culture will change and maybe it won't. 
But like that becomes an empirical question that you can say, well, if we put you in that condition and then it went up, we kind of think we caused that. Yes. And what I really enjoyed about this was like, <laughs> like I don't know, like, and maybe you can share uh, a bit more for myself and for the listeners about how many research papers are you guys, you social science peeps, like working on at a time? Because this is like, this is like a few years yes. worth of work that is going on into here because just this yes. study itself yeah. they did the initial element of it but they followed up after a week and then also after a year that's unbelievable and after a week they found that with both approaches you're not really fu- like not much there's just it, yeah. it's this yeah. is not a quick fix essentially like this and, is not yeah. microwave Absolutely. leadership but after a year yeah. Yeah. which we'll get into a bit. But do you want to yeah. share a bit Absolutely. about like kind of that kind of like workload and balancing? and? Well, from just a looking in with a microscope at the field to publish successfully, you might have to, I have to start three or four projects. And each project probably is a two year to three year window from the time you start thinking up the ideas and then yep. you start getting some data. Sometimes you start doing the surveys then you wait for the second one. Then you find another study to replicate Two or three. So that might mean that any one time you've got about 10 studies going Mm. at different stages. So like some are like, you're just thinking up ideas. You might have two there. There's one you might get first data. You're just doing some pilot testing. You might have two there. One where you kind of like are doing the tests. It's working. So you're starting to write it up. Some that you've submitted and they've gotten revised and resubmits. And you just sort of have to farm them. Yeah. It's almost like you have to be like a mini entrepreneur. And those are your wares. Yeah. And you just have to balance them across these different stages of publication. So this is clearly one that they would have started probably three years before it actually came out for us to read yeah so yeah this one was like super cool man like so they are what they're doing is they're getting these they ended up with like a about um 111 team leaders yep and but these surveys were taking place between both the leaders and it also interacting with the team members and they managed to get responses from about 365 of those so this is like a pretty tasty like feedback sample and like as dan was uh sharing this is like the idea of sharing feedback of uh, no, sorry, not sharing feedback of uh, no sharing yes, feedback yes, yeah. that you've received, yeah. asking for feedback from others, doing both, but in also some cases doing none. And off the top of the, my head now, I'm trying to remember what it is that they were. Yeah, so they wanted to basically they wanted to compare those four. Yeah, those That's four groups, it. and they found some they found some bits that were super interesting. So firstly, they found out that if you are doing the I guess the, what is kind of known as psychological safety, this idea of like opening up people to say, I value your yeah. opinion. So yeah. seeking the yeah. feedback. The, the, the potential there quickly becomes scuppered without adding to that momentum of building it. It's just, it's just as an action, it's kind of like, how, do, how would I describe it? It's it's kind of like uh, I guess the difference between like a shotgun. I'm not sure why. I'm- Let's go with this. I can't wait to hear this. I mean, now it's getting kind of military over here. <laughs> I can't go duck hunting. Like on one hand, you've got a club, and you can go around clubbing people oh over the head one at a time. Because that's what most of these leaders do. That's what they do. Or <laughs> you can have a machine that perpetually. 
and gets more efficient at clubbing people oh as it goes. This is horrible. <laughs> Sorry, this it is, is the worst thing. It's terrible. I'm I'm tripping <laughs> over myself here. What they did find that was when you when you request feedback from people, part of the problem is it, it doesn't have that kind of like perpetual motion about it. It can kind of stop in its tracks unless you're just continuously asking people, give me feedback yeah. on myself, yeah. give me but what That's people right. typically find is if I give you feedback yeah. And then I don't see the rewards of yeah, it. Yeah. It seems that you're kind of yeah. doing nothing with yeah. it. I'm just less likely That's to true. want to do that. So it opens up the potential for psychological safety, yeah. but then it closes it up very quickly if what people yeah. share, they don't feel heard yeah. and they don't feel that what they hear gets actioned. Yeah. Whereas when you share when you share feedback that you have received, something else quite interesting happens <laughs> I can tell you're really it's an enigma and you're quite visual of people just continuously clubbing each other over the head to get imagery. so what happens well, is like you know it, what I think it might be worth I'm just if I was listening to this and I didn't study this stuff I'd wonder really what they mean about this psychological safety a little bit more because you're talking about perpetuating it so let me just give a couple of items go ahead that people would actually respond to say you're on some team and you got a boss and you come to work the survey questions you'd respond or things like, um, let's see, around here, I feel safe sharing my opinion. Yep. Or when I'm at work, I feel like I can be myself without wearing a mask. And it's that, it's that feeling that you are able to reflect and, and say and express what your real thoughts are without getting hurt. Yeah. And what Atkins pointing out here is there seems to be this one approach that would be obvious is you have the boss say, what ideas do you have for me? How can we improve things around here? How can I improve? And that's on the face of it seems like it would work, but for some reason it it doesn't catch steam. And we're going to talk about why in study three in a minute. But for some reason, what these data show is a year later, that didn't make things better. (laughs) That didn't make it more psychologically safe. And that conversely, by modeling that behavior and actually saying, here are some things I'm working on right now. Here's some feedback I've gotten that I'm, I'm trying to get better. That changed the way the team dynamic was mm. so that a year later, again, incredibly good data, incredibly good data to tell people we'll hold this kind of a meeting. And then a year later, see that the team culture and dynamics have changed is incredible. And that's basically what they found. Now, study three was like, but we don't really know why. Mm. At least that's the way I interpret it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I'm just still trying to recover from the shame of my head clubbing <laughs> example. <laughs> Thank wonder, you for... I wonder... I guess what that's done is that showed us what you think of leaders. That, that's, given the, that's given the intra-psychic experience that Akin has experienced in the hands of leaders getting clubbed. <laughs> getting clubbed over the head. Either automatically with a clubbing machine. Which is more efficient. <laughs> it also depersonalizes. Well, that's the problem with it as well. I'd rather my leader wrap their hands around the club and then bludgeon oh my the God. <laughs> I'm trying to let it go. Okay, okay. So yeah, so they well, also it's worth pointing out is they didn't find they they measured competence. Like things yes. like, you know, basically is your leader like getting enough work done? Are they doing a good job? Blah 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 blah. And they found that it did not hurt perceived confidence. Mm. So if if a leader comes out and says, here's something I'm really working on and I'm not so good at it. I'm like you, I'm flawed and I'm damaged. People did not rate them as statistically less competent. Which is wonderful to know. It's really that, like, good to know. Because that was one of the other things that I was 
like you know to show some empathy to all of the fine leaders out there what's up leaders they require psychological safety also like it's not just something that you create that benefits those that you are leading it's also required for the leader because arguably they're potentially making the biggest decisions anyway and they want to feel comfortable to take the risks but also feel like should those risks go wrong feeling like hey I can share what's going on and also by being able to share what's going on and how you are experiencing it has that effect of bringing people together and then it's not just this responsibility of I am the CEO I am the leader and I must be responsible for everyone but it's a bit like no I'm I'm, I'm a person too trying to figure some stuff out and sometimes I mess up and get it wrong yep. and sometimes people tell me hey you could talk less or you could yes. be like you could defend us more and things like that which study free goes into so study free was more qualitative and they interviewed them so they managed to get like about I think it was like maybe like 17 or so individuals, maybe more, but they were able to get a group of employees and a group of leaders and they were able to interview them to explain what's going on with our results here because they're not quite how we thought they would come out. Yep. And And I think that it is worth pointing out that they were both surprised that the feedback seeking had no effect and they were surprised that neither of them had much of effect after one week. Yes, it wasn't like, hey, they hold this meeting on Monday and then the following Monday, everybody is like sharing and being open and generous with their faults. Yep. It took, it was the year mark that they found the result and it was only for the feedback sharing. So they're like, we don't really understand this. So let's just talk to people. Like, let's talk to the people who held those meetings, the leaders, and let's talk to the people that were in those meetings, the team members, and let's just kind of learn how that seemed to mm. them. And boy, I love this part. Right. I genuinely love, I feel like it had so much texture and spiciness to hear how real humans describe it. Like, do you want to talk about the crickets a little bit? Like, yeah, I want to, yeah, oh, totally. So like, I feel like this, this bit was quite lovely because yeah. what it said to me is the leader was like, hey guys, I don't want to use this club and bash you all over the head with it repeatedly please tell me how I can better wield this thing so what what actually happened is they assigned individuals to the feedback sharing effect and part of that was to go through like maybe like your 360 report or maybe you had your annual review but actual feedback and share the bits that is basically yeah. people saying this is yeah. where you could do with improvement yeah. and for the feed for the for the individuals who were doing this so for the leaders like leading up to it, a lot of the reported feelings of like anxiety. It's like, I'm going to get in front of yeah. people and then tell them dot, yes. dot, dot. Yes. But then also yes. like the actual delivery of it, they felt very awkward doing it. And then what they were met with was silence. Yep. Crickets. And they, they literally were saying that it, it made them deeply uncomfortable. You have to remember that these aren't people that are probably used to like sharing their faults. They're used to be kind of praised, mm. maybe even like genuflected before, you know, almost like supplicated to. And, yep. and all of a sudden they're in the business of getting their team and saying like, I'm not all that. Right. <laughs> and then both they said it was really kind of silent and awkward. But then the employees were also like, it was pretty silent and yep. pretty awkward. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And they described it as like having this disruptive element. Yes. And like yes. they put together, I say they, the uh, the researchers, uh, Konstantinos and, um, and Adam, put together this, these three phases of what happens. So if you want to kind of like do psychological safety squared, 
and really take it to a next level. This phase one is where you're inviting others to be vulnerable by first giving vulnerability. And so that's the part that's quite like anxiety provoking because yep. it's going to it's gonna be yep. quite uncomfortable because yep. also the silence when the employees described it, they were just like, is this a trap? Exactly. Have they reinvented yes. the club? Yes. Is that what's going on yes. right now? Did this leader drink something that they're going to try to get me to drink? Yeah. And so I'm just going to watch. Because it's unusual. They're just yes. like, this, what is yes. happening yes. right now? Yes. Have I uh, turned up at the right office? Yep. The next phase of this, they described it as normalization of vulnerability. And this is where trust then gets created and also reciprocity. Rec- oh, gosh. Reciprocity, maybe? There you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> because what happens now is people see a more human side of their leader and their trust is that if I too share what I'm kind of like um, working on or where my challenges are, then it's like there's somewhere that it can be received and that it's actually valuable. And it kind of normalizes that. It's valuable and it starts to become a way of acting. And in fact, they did this one thing where they described how some leaders started to create almost like virtuous cycles or circles yep. by holding like I'm gonna laugh at this one, vulnerability time yes where like during a meeting somebody would say well here's something I did that didn't work yep you know here's something I effed up okay look at me everyone I, I tried this thing it went horribly you know or and I think that um, building that like kind of iron ironing that into the culture yep. is part of what got created through this weirdness on the front end mm. it's like it almost empowered people to be more vulnerable because the senior leader was vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. And then the final phase was, they call it crystallization of vulnerability, where this kind of behavior and interaction becomes part of the culture. And what it also does is it creates accountability. So it's like this publicly sharing, here's something that I've been told that I need to work on, and I also work on it. So everyone then has this kind of verbal Uh, contract of, we're all going to kind of look out. We now know each other a bit more and where each other's shortcomings are. So when I get treated, a certain way or get yeah. a certain response yeah. or someone is behaving in a manner yeah. I'm not just treating it as that person's yes. a jerk or they're not good at their yeah. job it's like oh no they are human and here's really something good. that they're trying to work on and I can possibly help with that or hold them accountable to be a bit like hey like you know where do you it still got stand real. on this yeah it got real. Yeah. Like, let, let me just give a quote or two. But here's one that really reflects on Akin saying, and in some ways, what Akin just said right now is the most important part of the whole thing, which is when a leader can talk realistically about things they literally are trying to work on, people around them will help them. Like one of the one of the employees said, it gave me the opportunity to help her in the in the areas that she shared. This allowed us to have a different kind of conversation on how I could help her. It helped me give her better feedback in terms of what to focus on. It's really very different in terms of like crystallizing the types of interactions that are possible and helpful. So, I mean, I could read some other ones, but we're getting close to the end of our we thing. Are. This, to me, where we are is a pretty good place, which is um, by learning and reading from people's actual quotes who went through it, who sat in those uncomfortable meetings, by hearing from the leaders in their own words about like why that was uncomfortable and why they almost were mad at like Konstantinos and Adam, frankly, mm. that made it visceral for me. It's when I started really believing in what they found yeah. because it helped me see how these little meetings 
could somehow change the climate of the group a year later. Yeah. It's because it set these little processes that I can just talked about in motion in terms of like the crystallization and so on. Yeah. So I think on that note, <laughs> I think it's time to scrizzam. We are like one or two minutes uh, over our, uh, our our target. This was a super exciting paper. Uh, so yeah, shout outs once again to Konstantinos and Adam. And anything you want to say before we get out of here, Dan? Loved it. Awesome. Take care, peeps. Bye. <laughs>